Thank you for listening to this DuPont Media production, available on all major podcast platforms. This is Rod Peterson On Demand. Connor McDavid clapped back at John Tortorella. He was discussing Tortorella's take that Connor McDavid should change his game. But he was like, I'm not even dignifying that with a response. Sometimes smart people say stupid things. He had to have been referring to John Tortorella. Does John Tortorella actually believe that Connor McDavid needs to change his game? Do you think he actually believes that? This is the Rod Peterson Show. Welcome into Hour 2 of the RP Show. It is brought to you all week, Hour 2, by Great Western Brewing's Original 16, the official beer of the Olympic trial. And our Tim Hortons Canadian Curling Trial coverage brought to you on this program by Core Grain as well, doing the right thing for your farm. And uh, it's always fun when we crack the lid on Hour 2. Bit of a... uh, a pun there, I guess, on Original 16, sponsoring Hour 2, as we bring the moose in from Saskatoon. He's at the Great Western Brewery in Saskatoon for our coverage. And by the way, we have a hotel sponsor as well, the Delta. Darren, we should mention that. Yeah, the Delta by Marriott, downtown Saskatoon. Beautiful spot. Uh, they've got us in really taken care of well this week. So big thanks to Amanda and everybody at the Delta. Give me, before we jump back into the viewer comments, that's why I said I... I think people love Hour 2 so much because it's just a mishmash of what's been going on on the program so far. And if you just joined us, you missed former NHL referee Tim Peel with some very insightful thoughts on things. But what what is the buzz in Saskatoon with the Olympic trials uh, going on right now? This is a massive event. I guess it's not international because it's the Canadian Olympic trials, but it's a massive national event. What's the city like right now? It's it. It's a huge national event. The city is 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 buzzing a little bit. You know, where, where you go, people are kind of talking about it. Uh, they're flooding out to the SaskTel Center for these games, which is awesome. And then downtown, even throughout the weekend, as they, things got started on the weekend, um, downtown was really buzzing. Now, this is a great city. Downtown's always buzzing. But we were in a local spot, actually. It was Taverna, the Italian uh, restaurant, the great Italian restaurant that you and I went to earlier in the in the year. Um, Jennifer Jones was sitting in there having some food and there's people around and you can hear the chatter talking about it and fans are wanting to talk to her and and uh, very cool place to be right now. It really is, you know, from the whole downtown core and then people going out to the arena for the game. So I can't wait to get out there. I haven't been out to the rink. I haven't been to the patch, but uh, downtown's been buzzing and I can't wait to get there and see how the rink is in the crowd. Well, and for those curling fans, defending champion Rachel Holman looks to get back on track at the trials tonight when she faces Kelsey Rock in the evening draw. Holman's Ottawa rank is off to an 0-2 start. And uh, in this event, it'll determine Canada's men's and women's reps at the Beijing Games. Jennifer Jones leads the women's standings at 3-0. Entering today's action, Brad Gushu and Brad Jacobs top the men's table at 2-0. All three leaders are Olympic champions. And I will come back... Uh, Darren, to the new Saskatoon Arena discussion, because there are texters that want to discuss that. But Ray Hollowell, Ray is watching in the six. Ray in the six. He's in Scarborough officially, by the way. And he says, hi, Rod. What a game by Jonathan Taylor yesterday. Five touchdowns. He says, the Bills need a runner like that. Had to laugh how the fans turned on the Bills yesterday. And for those that don't know, I got the summary here. This was quite a game. 
Jonathan Taylor set a franchise record for the Colts by scoring five times and took over the NFL lead in both yards rushing and touchdowns as Indy routed Buffalo 41-15. Taylor scored three times in the first half, including a 23-yard catch, en route to the first five-touchdown game in the league this season. He finished with a season-high 185 yards rushing and four touchdowns and has 12, sorry, 1,122 yards on the season. Colts now 6-5. and five. Bills dropped to 6-4, and four, and now a half game behind New England in the AFC East. And i got to say this, we're now into the second half of the NFL season. I wonder how much things are going to turn. Patriots are atop the division now, the winners of five in a row. What a race the rest of the way to win that division. Uh, Darren, and, and with, with regards to the fans turning on the Bills, you can see it. It's Buffalo. They're an emotionally oh, yeah. damaged fan base. What are they saying in Nashville yeah. with Tennessee getting upset by the Houston Texans on Sunday. I know it's, it's not good. I mean, they're really disappointed and, and mostly because of the mistakes. It was there for Tennessee to win that game and they should have just too many mistakes. And, and same with, with Buffalo, you know, you want to believe that they're a Super Bowl contender, that they're a favorite for the Super Bowl, that they're dominant on offense, dominant on defense, that Josh Allen's an MVP candidate. And then they have these efforts like against Jacksonville and then against Indy. And you wonder, they're like, is it not as good as we thought it was? And you're kind of fragile as a fan base, and you're waiting for the bottom to fall out of the boat. And it's kind of happening. But they're still a good team. Tennessee's still a good team. You know, for Tennessee, I think we're just hoping to get, you know, we're going to get into the playoffs. Still got to win a couple more games to do it, to clinch it. But just to wait and get Derrick Henry back in January. And with Buffalo, just keep treading water, and hopefully you can find some way to get into a rhythm consistently. But now New England's back, and all of a sudden the division is not just Buffalo's for the taking. You have to play well. New England is one of the best teams in football. They'll be in my top five tomorrow. So um, it's tough for Buffalo. It really is, and, and I feel for their fans. But you still have a really good football team. I believe that. It's just a matter of getting everything back together. Darren, I'm in the process of getting the comments back. But, okay. and I think it's important because it's brought to you by Taco Time. So great work by Jordan on the yes. back end. But while we work on that, Brady has written in on the text line at 902-518-3033. Says, hey, Rod, I'm doing a leadership discussion presentation on the proposed plan for a new arena in Saskatoon and was, and was just wondering if you two believe the city of Saskatoon needs a new arena. And I want to bring this up for, while it seems like a local discussion, for the people across the country and our U.S. viewers that don't understand it, of which I'm getting messages that there are a ton of American viewers tuning in today, which, by the way, I was stopped in the Toronto airport yesterday, and somebody came up to me and said, I understand you, you have over half your viewers are American. Why? I said, I have no idea. But anyways, Saskatoon built an NHL-caliber arena, in the late 80s, that seats 15,000 fans. But they never got their NHL team, very similar to Quebec City, which theirs is a jaw-dropping arena right now, the Videotron Arena, just sitting there waiting for an NHL team that may or may not ever come. Now, my political friends in Saskatchewan, government mucky mucks, are saying, Rod, you need to get behind the new Saskatoon Arena proposal. And I'm like, okay, sure, absolutely. So I will say to Brady, yeah, Saskatoon needs a new arena. And I get it. I get it. 30-plus years for Sastel Center is a long time. That's 
ancient in today's arena standards. But my core beliefs, as you know, are often what you want and what you need are two different things. So I guess my question to you is, does Saskatoon need a new arena? They're hosting, a, you just said it, a major national event in the Tim Hortons curling trials. And they'll do a great job with what they have. If they were to build this new 15,000-seat-plus arena, is it, let's be honest, with the eye on an NHL franchise down the line? I don't think so. I don't know that this market could sustain an NHL franchise. American Hockey League, maybe. But even, you know, major junior in the market doesn't need a 15,000-seat arena. The American Hockey League doesn't need a 15,000-seat arena. You know, they need 5,000 seats, right? 7,000 seats, something like that. But this is more of, and, and you look at the rush and the lacrosse where they've been able to sell out the Sastel Center and have very big crowds. So they would use it. But from a sports landscape, there's not a need for a new arena. But from an entertainment and venue landscape, that's the biggest for me because, and this is why the discussion's happening now and maybe a couple of years late because they're less than 10 years away from needing a new arena, I believe. And it's about a 10-year project to put together, you know, from getting financing and getting things built and the site and all that kind of stuff and the red tape. But Saskatoon has become a destination city in this country and maybe in North America. It's now one of the culture and food hotspots in the country when it comes to, you know, great restaurants and great places to eat the river views and, and, and the travel now. It's a tourist destination. So it's become a hot spot. And it's a really big spot for events and concerts. And, you know, the biggest names on the planet will make Saskatoon a destination on their Canadian tours. It's up there as, as part of a travel destination with Vancouver, Calgary, Edmonton, Toronto, Winnipeg, Ottawa, Montreal, etc. cetera. Um, Saskatoon's on that page. And every time big names come through, they're sold out. Garth Brooks did multiple, multiple shows here because they kept selling out. But if that venue keeps going down, those names will stop coming and that'll be a big hurt for the city. So even if you're not a sports fan, this new venue um, is big for the city because that then affects the whole downtown core and all the culture and the hotel business and everything else that keeps Saskatoon beautiful and vibrant and growing. So, you know, I'm a big fan of the new facility and I really was always been a big fan of the downtown location, that Toys R Us parking lot um, right beside the mall, right off the river. That was always my number one destination, but they need it, and I hope it happens. Wonderful answer. Like I say, if you build one, what's the end game? And I think you uh, just answered it very well. Yeah. Clark has told me, abort, abort, right now, our viewer comment system, because it affects my video stream here. So, But Clark said that he would throw comments up on the screen which will work out just fine. Can you put up the comment, if you don't mind, from Cine Girl? She's in Pittsburgh. And off the top of my head, she said, Good morning, guys. You both look great. Uh, not that one. There was one after that. She says, I love Saskatoon. It is up-and-coming tourist area, so why not? There it is. Hey, gentlemen, happy Monday. You both look fabulous. I have so much to catch up on here. The Steelers broke my heart last night. And she is watching in Pittsburgh and uh, last night in Inglewood, California, Justin Herbert threw a 53-yard touchdown pass to Mike Williams, 217 to go. And Los Angeles held off Pittsburgh 41-37 on Sunday night football. LA is now 6-4. They had a 27-10 lead going into the fourth quarter before the Steelers 
five, four, and one now. Rallied to take a 37-34 lead on Chris Boswell's 45-yard field goal with two, with sorry, with 324 left. And he goes back and forth on how the game ended. Ben Roethlisberger passed for 273 yards and three touchdowns for the Steelers after missing last week's game dealing with COVID. By the way, now would be a great time, I think, Darren, to talk about tonight's featured game as we look at Sports on Tap for the Tap Brewhouse and drive through Liquor Store. Monday Night Football, 3-6 and six New York Giants at the 6-3 and three Tampa Bay Buccaneers just up the road here. The Bucs are home, hoping to avoid a third straight loss. That's the Monday Night Football game. Giants-Buccaneers. Then there are six NHL games tonight. Columbus at Buffalo. Vegas at St. Louis. Alex Petrangelo's first return. Anaheim at Nashville. Pittsburgh at Winnipeg. Ottawa at Colorado. And Carolina at San Jose. My featured game will be Monday night football and probably dialing up the Manning Brothers broadcast on ESPN2. But of all of those games, and maybe it's curling for you. I don't know. That's where you're in Saskatoon for, covering the uh, Tim Hortons trials for yep. Core Grain and Original 16. What's your featured game tonight? Yeah, it's curling for me and Monday Night Football. So I'll take the curling. Um, they've been doing alternate draws. So the men are on the ice this afternoon at 2 o'clock Central. And then the women are back on the ice, um, I believe, at 7. So I'll be watching the curling tonight. My my featured game's the afternoon game, though. It's the featured game of the day for me is the Brad Jacobs-Brennan Botcher match. It's actually going to be the featured game on TSN at 2 o'clock. So an hour after we're off the air. Um, for me, that's it. Botcher against Jacobs, but I'll be watching the curling tonight and Monday Night Football because Tom Brady and the Bucks they need to win, but they need to win convincingly. He needs to put up 30 or 40 points. It'll be an interesting game. I would like to take this opportunity to point out, and by the way, Clark has uh, instructed me to go to the YouTube feed, and that's a great idea, Clark, where I can get all the comments from everybody. Approved. Yeah, but I would like to point out that there aren't a lot of CFL questions coming in from our viewers today, but I think it would be prudent to talk about it because it is semifinal week, and for those that missed it, the betregal.net opening betting lines of the week for Montreal visiting Hamilton in the Eastern semifinal Saturday is Ticats favored by four points at home. Western semifinal, the Calgary Stampeders at Saskatchewan, Rough Riders favored by 1.5 at home. And I just want to uh, re-up it for those that weren't watching an hour ago, Darren. You said you're okay with those betting lines. I, I, it's way, way, way too early in the week to get into predictions and who we think will win or not. But it is a tremendous time uh, in for CFL fans. And I look at Winnipeg. Let's just talk about Winnipeg for a second because there's a lot of viewers in Winnipeg. Our analytics are showing us right now. Apparently, they've shored up their kicking game. What was the only thing we heard all year long? We got to get a kicker. We got to get a kicker. What'd they finish? 11 and three. And that was their only problem. And Sergio Castillo kicks four field goals the other night in a loss at Calgary. Are the Bombers the perfect team going into the CFL playoffs? I don't know any weaknesses. You know, point of a weakness to me. Um, I think they're good running the football. Zach Claros is obviously, you know, one of the best. Their defense is good. Now their special teams is good. So, yeah, I mean... They are the class of the Canadian Football League. And it's not close. Like, it's the Bombers. There's a little gap. And then there's everybody else. And that's not to take away anything from anybody else. 
But it's just that's how good this team has been and the consistency and what Mike O'Shea has done. So it's a credit to him. It's a credit to that whole organization. Um, and and they've deserved it. It's been a long time coming since they've been this good and since they've been on top of the league like this and this heavily favored. Um, I will be shocked if Winnipeg does not win the Great Cup. Yeah, me too. Me too. And we've got all week to talk about it. People really love the arena discussion, by the way, as do I. And Brady triggered it all on the text line with his question about Saskatoon getting a new arena. Northside YEG, one of our P1 viewers watching in Edmonton, says, I just looked up that Videotron Arena. Quebec City should have an NHL team. That place just opened in 2015. For sure, but that's my point. They don't. And sorry to break it to you, they're not getting one. So it's like you spent a lot of money on a jaw-dropping NHL arena. I just don't think you're getting a team. Ryan McCarthy in Saratoga, New York says, Albany has an NHL-ready arena, but could barely draw 4,000 fans in the last years of the AHL being here. Correlation does not equal causation in terms of arenas. Eh. He's throwing around some $20 words there. By the way, our VP of Sim Events, Nelson Hakowicz, writes in and he says, in 10,000 simulations, I have the Alouettes a 60% win probability by two points, Riders a 64% win probability by 4.5 points. Hot take. So we can always, yeah, we can always count on Nelson, our VP of Sim Events, to run the Sims. He's got Montreal winning by two, Riders winning by 4.5. How about that? Spicy. That's great. And while we while we have it, I know Nelson's watching. That needs to be a that needs to be a graphic, Instagram with the percentages on there. I think that will stir up a lot of conversation. That the sim by our director of sim events, Nelson, has come out with these projections heading into the to a semifinal weekend. That's cool stuff. Montreal by two, Riders by four. We'll be back. I'm broadcasting live from South Florida. The Moose is at the Great Western Brewery in Saskatoon. Great Western's original 16 beers bringing you our Canadian Olympic curling trials coverage all week long. And you're watching on Game Plus TV, live on YouTube and 24-hour sports radio at rodpeterson.com. Head to youtube.com slash the Rod Peterson Show now. You gotta subscribe. Click the subscribe button for all the content you may have missed. laid back and kicking it let's head back to the studio here's rod welcome back everybody the rp show continues in two remote locations today i'm in south florida and the moose is at the great western brewery in saskatoon as part of our olympic curling trial coverage as it is it is day three today talking cfl playoffs talking a variety of things like where the heck is it somebody wrote i think it was john schmeiser yeah in Kansas City, he says, CFL and curling updates. Where else but on the RP show? Exactly. I'm glad you noticed because nobody else is doing it. And <sighs> Brady really triggered quite a discussion on the new arenas, uh, Darren, as you can probably see. And I'll just say one oh, more yeah. from John Schmeiser in, in Kansas City. He says, did Nelson pick the winner of the Sim Grey Cup last year? Still have heartbreak over how that one ended. Darren and I called 
the uh, computer simulated Grey Cup. Remember that? Man, was that oh, awesome. Yeah. 20,000 viewers saw the Saskatchewan Rough Riders on a coaching blender. Blow it. Go to overtime and lose to the Ottawa Red Blacks in overtime. Who, oh. Nelly, was that something else? And they're still getting over it in virtual Ottawa. Yep. It was not pretty. Uh, no. Sorry, Moose. Just trying to get... You, you can see with these comments here, it's, uh, it's a little tricky with what we're doing here. They're talking about arenas. They're talking about arenas and Winnipeg being the smallest NHL market. Is that true? There's no uh, NHL market smaller than Winnipeg? I, I could see that being a fact. I could see it too. I could see it too. I know for arena size, right? I think it's the smallest at just over 15,000, which is what Saskatoon has, right? A little over 15,000. So, but it's, but it's capable. And if you're engaging your fan base really well, it just means you got to work hard to make sure that you're getting people into the venue and staying close to that number, you know, game in and game out. They've done a really great job in, in Winnipeg to do that. If I had my bell, I would ring it. A couple of things that have come up here on Canada's daytime sports talk show. Vegas Golden Knights head coach Peter DeBoer announced after the morning skate today that Adam Brooks would make his Golden Knights debut. Oh, Brooks awesome. E-Bucks, the former Toronto Maple Leaf and Montreal Canadian and captain of God's team, the Regina Pats. Adam Brooks makes his Golden Knights debut tonight. Right. And on. by the way, you're all going to want to know this. From the Florida Panthers. The Florida Panthers announced today that they have launched an all-new kids club with three membership options, Moose. Young Panthers fans will have access to exclusive kids club events, special offers, Panthers merchandise packs, and more. South Florida boys and girls age 14 and under are invited to join the Panthers Kids Club, which offers three membership tiers with varying member benefits. I'm not going to go into all of them. But I like uh, the effort of the Florida Panthers here, whom, by the way, I spoke with this morning. And uh, I'll be in attendance on Wednesday night when the Philadelphia Flyers come to town. So just pointing that out. So your feature game tonight is curling. Mine is Monday Night Football. And the Vegas Golden Knights debuting Adam Brooks. So that's what's uh, happening here on a Monday. I feel like I'm not quite done, though, with CFL playoff. And I think... A lot of people have logged in on semifinal week to talk about that. I mentioned in the commentary, commentary this morning, and I mentioned it in hour one, that a football scout in Missouri texted me about the entertainment factor being down in the CFL. And, and I said, well, nine points scored for the Cowboys yesterday, no touchdowns. I think there was a lot of NFL games yesterday that there was not a touchdown scored. There was only one scored in the Winnipeg-Calgary game Saturday night. He gave me seven reasons, this scout, why he thought CFL scoring was down, and it went back to no pads in practice. The year off, obviously, that's what everybody's talking about. Those are two of the seven. The extra global player, talent pool being diluted somewhat, Darren. Do you have thoughts on why if the, coach, why, the, the coaching down. cap might be Yeah, scoring's down. Yeah, you go ahead with your thoughts on that. You know, that's, I'd look at that too. Um, but again, it, it's kind of one of those unexplainable things. You know, um, maybe it's just defenses are better and offenses are just not on the same page. You know, um, it could literally be that. 
You know, I don't know if it has much to do with wearing pads or not wearing pads. I mean, the NFL, they rarely wear pads in practice too. Um, you know, we got to keep the players safe. Um, there's a lot of increased rules where you can't hit defenseless receivers and the pass interference is tighter, which is supposed to open up more offense and it. It doesn't right now uh, translate into the Canadian football game, you know, um, largely abandoning the run, less patience um, to, you know, have really long sustained clock chewing drives. Um, so you end up with a lot more two and outs, which results in, you know, not getting into a rhythm, not getting comfortable. And then when you have a couple of drives stall, then you're like, oh, well, we now we have to score, so we better pass. And, you know, I, I'd like to see more run game involved, but that's the trend of the game is kind of moving that way a little bit, less running of the football. Um, but that would help. Um, and and literally the year off. But I, I do, I still hold out that the playoffs are going to be wildly entertaining. I think it's going to be better. And I think this is, I'm hoping this is just a one-year thing because university football went through the year off, but the games are still great and the scoring is still there and everything's still awesome. So uh, I'm hoping this is just a, a one-year unexplainable phenomenon for the CFL and they're back to uh, regular business as usual next year. Our VP of Sim Events, Nelson Hackowitz, chiming in and says 55% of the starting rosters this season are CFL rookies. Let them get their feet under them and we're in for a burner next season. I think there's something to that for sure. Um, I'm not, and I'm not totally sure if his numbers are correct, but I do distinctly remember the October the 9th game, Calgary at Saskatchewan, reading that 55% of the players were in their first contract. Both teams combined. That doesn't mean rookies necessarily. You could be in your second year and still be your first contract. Right. But I think there's something to be said for that. And I guess it depends. There's a lot of noise out there with what the CFL is going through. I mean, come on. Did you see any of Friday's game, uh, Edmonton at BC? Did you see any of that? There was nobody at that football game. Like this financial I picture, know. there are people that want to talk about it. And I think now is it necessarily the time to have that discussion when we are on the cusp of the CFL playoff. Semi-final doubleheader double this weekend, Sunday. Montreal at Hamilton, Calgary at Saskatchewan. Then we spill over into the divisional finals, which will be played in Winnipeg and Toronto. And then, of course, the Grey Cup in Hamilton. Is now the time to talk about the future of the CFL, do you think, Darren? I don't think so. I don't think it's today. I don't think it's right now. This is, this is time to talk about the playoffs and the Grey Cup, I think. You know, I think this discussion happens in the offseason. And when we start seeing numbers roll in of earnings and profits and losses and to see the financial situation of where these teams are at, and then what else happens, you know, moving forward? What does the season look like next year? Are we going to start on time? Are we going to have a full season? You know, are there going to be rule changes? Are we going to have other, you know, um, financial caps put in place? Um, but right now, you know, we should be excited about the playoffs. I think it's important. I think it's, uh, you know, it's, it's time for playoff football. Let's celebrate the game for what it is, how great it can be, the history. And, and let's get excited as, as we have a December Grey Cup you know, the, the Christmas trees are going to be out. Santa's going to be out in Winnipeg, you know, in a couple of weeks. So let's let's celebrate the game and let's worry about the league and the financial health once that's over. I think that's, that's appropriate. I couldn't agree more. Uh, from Darren watching in Salt Lake City, Utah, he says, Great weekend. Utes crush the Ducks. 
Chargers stop doing Charger stuff and beat the Steelers. Can't wait for the CFL playoffs to get going. He thinks Stamps Riders will be the best game. And I think that we will, uh, as you pointed out last segment, get a little play on Nelson Hakowicz's simulations, computer simulations, over 10,000 of them, picking that Montreal will win in Hamilton by two and Saskatchewan will win at home by four over the Calgary Stampeders. Randy from the Peg writes in and says, we need a WHL arena here in Winnipeg. Uh, well, you've got a wonderful NHL facility there that also houses an AHL facility. Have you noticed across this land, Darren, that uh, it's never enough for people? Have you noticed that? I know. Is it, I don't know if you, were, if you saw the interview with Gus Ferrat the other day with us on Friday. He goes, yeah, the Penguins won last night 6 nothing, and the fans here are mad it wasn't 7 nothing." At what point, I know. At what I know. point do we stop listening to people? You know, you have to for your mental health. And again, it's all about perspective. The entire game is about perspective and how you decide to, how you choose to look at every situation. So you can choose to be disappointed with a six nothing win, um, or you can choose to be happy. And uh, that's it. So just gotta, you know, kind of. Quiet the noise and, uh, you know, look at your perspective. Checking uh, from the viewer, the view crew here, the Rod Squad. Corey's watching in Tallahassee, Florida. The Hockey Club podcast. He says, it was not long ago we were worried there would not be a CFL season. Let's enjoy it, whatever it is. That's kind of what I've been saying all year long, I think. But when you're on the air two hours a day, you say a lot of things. Chris Bird in King City, Ontario says the numbers and financials for the CFL and member franchises will not be comparable to any other year. Obvi. From Tacona Powley in Winnipeg. RP, let's just worry about enjoying the playoffs. I agree, but we, we're talking about both. So thanks for your input. By the way, Corey in Tallahassee asked, uh, he wants to come down to South Florida and visit me, Darren. I don't know if I told you that. Former pro, hockey pro. He says, you golf, don't you? I said, no, but I would for you. But can we do something else? What are you going to do? I don't know. He'll be down here at some <laughs> point. But I'm, if, there's a lot of things to do besides golf. Um, yeah. Mm-mm-mm. Oh, Clark's telling us to take a break because our next guest, uh, Devin Haru, is logged in. Moose, we'll see you back for overtime, okay? Sounds good. Say hi to Devin. All right. Big big day here on the RP Show. Two remote broadcasts, myself in South Florida, Darren at the Great Western Brewery in Saskatoon. Great Western Original 16 Beer bringing you, along with Core Grain, our Tim Hortons Canadian Curling Trial coverage. Devin Haru from the CBC Curling Aficionado joins us next to talk about the trials heading into day three. You're watching on Game Plus Television, YouTube live streaming, and 24-hour sports radio at rodpeterson.com. Head to youtube.com slash the Rod Peterson Show now. You gotta subscribe. Click the subscribe button for all the content you may have missed. Oh, yeah, he's back. Time for more of the Rod Peterson Show. 
Welcome back, everybody. Canada's daytime sports talk show continues on this Monday. And before we bring in our next guest, I'm actually chomping at the bit to get his take on this breaking news. Breaking news today. I do have the cowbell with me. The board of directors of the Edmonton Elks football team has terminated the contracts of president and CEO Chris Presson, general manager Brock Sunderland, and head coach Jamie Elizondo, effective immediately. The Edmonton Elks cleaning house on this Monday morning, firing the president, the general manager, and the head coach. Well, Devin Haru is a curling aficionado at CBC, but he's also a staunch CFL fan and for many years a rider season ticket holder. Might still be. Devin, what do you think about this news out of Edmonton here this morning? Roddy, you and I have had, uh, and first of all, great to see you. You and I have had so many conversations over the years about uh, the evil empire being the mark of a championship franchise in the CFL. They didn't win a game at home this year. The handling of the Joey Moss situation. Everything we heard out of that franchise this year was a disaster. Uh and you saw it reflected in the attendance, didn't you? It was abysmal inside Commonwealth Stadium. They are and have been the flagship in, in a lot of ways of the CFL. And when you're as bad as you've been this year, and when you have so many distractions going around that team, I think it was the right thing to do. This is not shocking to me. I think you would probably agree with that. No, I don't think it's shocking at all. My, my worry is the board of directors not only made this decision to clean house, but they put them all in their current positions. So I'm just worried as an Edmonton, if I was an Edmonton fan about the direction of the club, confidence in who they hire. You think they call Chris Jones to come back and run the whole show? Why not? And I think he would probably head back there in a heartbeat, right? Uh, some good memories there. And uh, Chris Jones just uh, continually finds a way to get back into coaching positions in the CFL, doesn't he? And, you know, here's the other thing, Rod. I want to know who did the CFL schedule this year because I am in my home province. It is playoff week in the CFL. And I'm going to have to be covering a curling game two hours away from a West semifinal. It's going to be one of the first times in my life that I missed a playoff game. Uh, but... Duty calls and the roar of the rings are underway in Saskatoon, and it's good to be home. Wonderful segue, Devin, and that's why we brought you on. And our curling coverage of the trials is brought to you by Core Grain, doing the right thing for your farm and for Great Western's Original 16 Beer. I don't know where you want to start. Jennifer Jones and Tracy Fleury are unbeaten. Uh, one of them's 3-0, and the other 2-0. and Brad Gushu is unbeaten, going up against John Epping today. Brendan Botcher, winless. The reigning Briar champion. Uh, what are the surprises and big stories through two days, Devin? Shocking start by uh, Rachel Holman and Brennan Botcher. No wins between those two really, really good curling teams. And all you have to do is look at, at what's been unfolding over these first couple of days, Roddy. And, you know, last night, Carrie Anderson, the two-time defending Scotty's champion, has an open hit to win a game hits and rolls out, gives up a steal of two in the 10th and to lose to Jacqueline Harrison. Speaking of Jacqueline Harrison, she knocked off Rachel Holman in the first game of this thing. So Anderson has one win at one and two. Rachel Holman, 0 oh and two. Brennan Botcher, 0 oh and two. This thing, this beast that is the Canadian Olympic curling trials can literally shake the most seasoned curler to its core. We're seeing that right now. Brennan Botcher missed an open draw to the eight-foot, Roddy. That's a skip's dream at this level to mm. hit the full eight-foot, and he missed it against Tanner Horgan yesterday. This is crazy, but you said it. Jennifer Jones leads the way, and guess what? 
she has that look that she had in Silk Tea in 2014 when she won gold because Jenny Jones can win a game all by herself. She's 3-0. and She's looking comfortable, and I would not want to play her in Saskatoon this week. I was watching some of the action yesterday on my TSN app, and I got a couple questions for you out of that. One is the crowds look like a decent attendance. Must be nice to have a crowd for curling events after the bubble in Calgary last year and however many days they were in there. What's that atmosphere like, Devin? Yeah, so right now, uh, Rod, they're average about 4,000 fans per per draw, and that's pretty good for the opening weekend of an Olympic trials. Um you know, I've, I've been seeing on your show these recurring themes of how are we getting fans into the stands? The CFL attendance has me really concerned. But then, of course, you look at Commonwealth and what happened with that Canadian men's soccer team. And so I think everybody's still a little hesitant about whether or not they want to show back up at especially an indoor venue to watch a sporting event. But I think Curling Canada is happy that they're getting four to 5,000 people per draw. But I expect this to build the one thing I will say is I know that organizers were hoping that the local team, of course, Team Dunstone, would have a run here, an 0-2 start. And, of course, I don't think we can not talk about the fact that they had that lineup change literally at the 11th hour. Can you imagine, Rod, you wait four years for this moment. You place third in the last two briars. You actually believe you have a chance and then you have to make a lineup change at third. Braden Moscowie saying he can't play due to personal reasons. I've been, you know, I have a lot of contacts in this curling world. I haven't been able to get any more clarity on this. Everybody very tight lipped. But Colton Watt out of Winnipeg Beach, literally throwing rocks with his girlfriend at the club in Manitoba, 9.30 on Wednesday night, two days before practice. He goes from Winnipeg Beach to the bright lights of the curling world and the biggest Olympic trial stage and the team just hasn't looked comfortable so far they can turn it around obviously this afternoon a huge game against Kui, and i'm going to call it probably a must win because if you lose your first three in fact in the history of this if you lost your first two no team in the history of the olympic trials has ever come all the way back to win the trials so that might affect the crowds but curling is back fans in the arena are back and i know the curlers are loving it Amazing uh, commentary there. And by the way, I'm going to text you. You still got the same number, same 416 number? I'm going to send you a text of what I've heard of the Brendan Muscoe departure from the curling trials, if you don't mind. And the other, as the curling fan that you are, I'm watching the game last night, and th this voice came into my head that asked, how's the ice? In 2021, is that a question anymore? Remember how it used to be, Devin? I mean, you don't look as old as me, but you're close to as old as me. It used to be a thing. Is ice making and technology now a thing that we don't even question the ice in these arenas anymore? No, it's absolutely a thing. It's an awesome question, Rod. Uh, and I do have the same number, so I look forward to that text. But it absolutely is a thing. And I can tell you, Greg Owasco is a head ice tech out here. They've had some issues in SAS Play. I, I still call it SAS Place. Uh, they've had some issues in the building. In fact, uh, some of the drafts, some of the airflow in that building, and of course, you know, I go back to my days uh, hosting uh, post-game show with the Saskatoon Blades. It can be drafty in that old barn, and it has been drafty. And what that can do is that can wreak a little bit of havoc on some of the hot spots on the ice. And what you get, you get some patches, you get some frost on the ice. And so what was fascinating to me, and I've watched probably too many hours of live curling, but I still love it, uh, is Greg Awasco walked out 
in the middle of the Saturday night draw, the second draw of this thing, walked into the dividers in the middle of the curlers in the middle of the games because he wanted to get a sense of what was going on in the building live during the game. And this is some breaking news that I can tell you that I'm hearing from the curlers. Late last night, they decided to paper the rocks. And if you're new to the game, papering the rocks is a very sort of technical thing. It's a secret thing that the ice makers have mastered. They sandpaper the bottom of the granite so that it gets a little grittier and that it grabs that pebble and gets a little more curl. They want more curl on the ice. So they're papering it this early. You'll remember back at the briar in the bubble, some of the players were not notified. The rock patterns changed. It created a controversy. Now they're doing it just two days into this event. So pay attention specifically today. The teams that figure out the ice and those freshly papered rocks are going to be the ones that come out on top today. Wow. I knew you'd have the answer. I have just checked, texted you. Check your phone. Uh, Devin, thanks for the update. I think we're going to get you later this week. I really appreciate it. And enjoy uh, being home and some wonderful curling. Always good to see you, Rod. And I got the message. Talk to you soon. All right. CBC's Devin Haru joining us from Saskatoon and the Tim Hortons Olympic Curling Trials. A quick sports update before we roll. In this segment, the Ottawa Senators are set to return to NHL play tonight in a showdown against the Colorado Avalanche in Denver. The Sins had three games postponed last week due to a COVID-19 outbreak on the team. Winnipeg Jets will enjoy a brief return home tonight when they welcome the Pittsburgh Penguins. Jets are coming off road losses at Edmonton and Vancouver and will hit the road for another three after tonight. And uh, week 11 of the NFL season will wrap up tonight in Tampa with a game between the Buccaneers and the New York Giants. The Bucs have lost two straight but still lead the NFC South with a 6-3 and three record. The Giants are last in the NFC East at 3-6. and six. And, of course, the big news, the Edmonton Elks cleaning house today. The president and CEO, Chris Presson, the general manager, Brock Sunderland, and the head coach, Jamie Elizondo, all fired moments ago from the Alberta Capitol. This sports update for Dub Network. And for Ben Cahoon's G2G Protein Bars, order yours now at g2gbars.ca. The most returns for overtime with lots to digest. You're watching the RP Show on the Game Plus Television Network, YouTube live streaming, and 24-hour sports radio at rodpeterson.com. Have you subscribed to the Rod Peterson Show YouTube channel yet? Head to youtube.com slash the Rod Peterson Show now. You got something to say? You want to add to this show? What are you waiting for? Don't just sit there. Say something. Now, back to the studio with Rod. Uh, and the moose and the studio for me is in beautiful South Florida this week. And for Darren, it is the Great Western Brewery in Saskatoon. Our curling trials coverage is brought to you by Core Grain, doing the right thing for your farm and also for Great Western's original 16 beer. And this is Taco Time Viewer Takeover. Um, they're not tater tots. They're Mexi fries. And one more sponsor mention here, Darren, it, because the overtime is brought to you, as always, by the Four Seasons Sports Palace. Um, the Greek freak texted me. He says, it's football week at the Palace. Monday night football, Giants, Bucks, American Thanksgiving triple header on Thursday. 
And then the Super Sunday, the CFL semifinals, big screen, no need to ask to have the games put on at Four Seasons plus 11 NFL Sunday games. We love sports. Skull! And go, Riders, go. That from George Y. <laughs> now, I just checked the text line, 902 line. Darren, it's flooded with Edmonton fans alerting us to the Elks cleaning house. They said they all got emails. These are season ticket holders. They're watching in Edmonton right now. And I'm like, well, what's, what's your opinion on this as an Elks fan? I mean, scorching the earth. Can't say I'm surprised. What did you think when you heard this? Yeah, I mean, how can you be surprised when it when it's as bad as it's been? Um, and, and again, you're sending this out to season ticket holders. This is all, you know, looking forward. You know, you want to make sure that your season ticket holders know that as an organization, this is not what you should expect next year. It's going to be better. And we are working towards making it better and a better experience because they need more fans there. They need to get that community in- invested. And they need to, it starts with the season ticket holders and that fan base. So, no, it's, it's not surprising um, when things are this bad. But, again, those fans are concerned, and there's a real worry of what it's going to be like next year and next summer and next spring. You know, you have to get that excitement back. So uh, it's going to be a real challenging offseason in Edmonton. Yeah, Wayne and Victoria writes in, says, great show as usual, Rod and crew. Thank you. From Janice watching I think from Calgary, she's got a Stampeders logo as an avatar. She says, as a season ticket holder for the Elks, good step forward. More interested that they are engaging Wally in the GM search. Okay, now that's news to me that Wally Buono's involved, and I'm guessing maybe three down got to the bottom of that or where that came out from. Wally, from what I understand, is offering his services as a consultant these days to various CFL entities. And who else would you rather ask? And Wally Buono, who incidentally will not be the next general manager of the Edmonton Elks because he is enjoying retirement immensely. But I I said this with Devin. I'll say it to you, uh, Darren. If I was an Elks season ticket holder, I would be very concerned about the future of the franchise. Obviously, you're coming off a 3-11 and season, an embarrassment. You thought you were going to be a front runner. Football people will tell you they think the Elks had the second most talented roster in the entire CFL. And they go to 3-11. and What does that say? And... If you talk to Edmonton football people in that town, this franchise's struggles go back way before Chris Preston to Len Rhodes sealed their fate on this franchise. Guy that you don't ever even hear from anymore was the guy that started them down this road to nowhere. So if the board is making the calls on who stays and who goes and also the hirings, how confident are you as an Edmonton Elks football fan that this is good news today, that they will replace them with adequate people? That's the question, right? Do they have the right people, you know, sitting around that table on the board that can make the right decisions to bring the right people in place? And all you can do is you have to trust that they're the right people. You have to. Or if they're not, you have to start looking at, okay, where are the real problems? And then we have to address that, whether it's at the boardroom table, whether it's at the very top end, whether it's just, you know, in terms of general manager, coaches, staff, players, whatever that might be, really look and figure out what is the real problem here and why aren't we getting the right people in place and why isn't this working? Are we not patient enough? Or is it the fact that we don't have the right people? So there's a lot of evaluating that needs to go on here over the next number of weeks. Yeah, well, this is a highly, highly, highly critical 
time for that franchise and a pivotal spot in their history as to where they go from here. Darren in Salt Lake City says they need a new culture for sure in Edmonton. Well, they had a great one before <laughs> and they obliterated it. So how do you build a new one? You know, uh, from my cousin, Christine, she says, good show once again. Enjoy the sun. Hope you find a taco time down there. Yeah, me too. By the way, finding, finding tacos, not a problem uh, in South Florida. One minute, one minute remaining in the RP show on this Monday. Darren, what's up for you the rest of the day as far as those curling trials go in Saskatoon? Yeah, I'm off to watch that men's draw at 2 o'clock, and that's Brad Jacobs. And Brandon Botcher, really looking forward to that one. It's also on TSN. And then it's the women at night, 7 o'clock. So uh, excited to get over there. Uh, I'm going to be heading over right away and getting ready for that. So they, they are on the ice in an hour from now. Wonderful. Great job today, uh, Darren. Thanks for checking in. Enjoy the curling. Thank you. Enjoy the sun. We'll be back here tomorrow. Great job by our crew as well. Tomorrow, PA Raiders forward Ozzy Weisblatt. Calgary Stampeders writer Danny Austin from the Calgary Sun. Big thanks to Tim Peel and Devin Haru today, and we'll see you tomorrow at noon Eastern here on the RP Show. Truth's in the coffee. It's truth serum. For more Rod Peterson on demand, visit rodpeterson.com.